Welcome to my second episode in the series. In this podcast, I will journey back into the landscape of Ireland's rich history and explore the hidden past and its people. I hope you will enjoy the rich historical tapestry I will weave through the history of its people and the landscape which they lived. Through its people, its rich heritage and culture that makes up Danny Hoolan's Irish experience. Over the last 40 years, I have travelled the countryside of Kerry. Three of the most captivating places that I have visited time and time again is Ratu Round Tower, Derricko Churchyard and Dysert Eid Threelig. Ratu Round Tower, or in its Irish name Ravaig Natuskart, is located just on the approach to the beautiful village of Ballyduff, Tralee, County Kerry. The high tower stands out against the Irish skyline as a reminder of the days when Christianity was in its heyday, when monks worshipped and chanted within the confines of that great monastic centre. It takes its illustrious name Ra, meaning fort, Vaig, a plain, and Tuskert, the north, the fort on the northern plain. Its history is colourful. Tradition relates that the monastery was founded by Bishop Lugok in the 6th century as a place for sanctuary for meditation and prayer to the Divine God. His feast day is the 6th of October. However, from my research, Lugok has been mentioned in the Kaldi of Angus Cayley Day and also Laubrach as being in several monastic places in Ireland. This highlights his importance as a religious person at that period of Irish Christianity. A local tradition in the area of Ballyduff states that the tower was erected to commemorate a great battle that took place in a field nearby called the paddock. Over the years in the paddock, a few humps have been seen, but never touched or ploughed by the locals not to upset the sleeping warriors. The tower was constructed possibly in the 9th century as a clogtock or bell house, to house the great bell of Ratu, which was used to summon the monks to worship in those bygone days. The tower is 92 feet in height, with a circumference of 47 feet 9 inches. The walls are 3 feet 10 inches at its base, with hammered sandstone blocks rising to six floors. At one stage there was a wooden stairs to all its floors, but nothing now remains today. Architecture of Ratu Round Tower The doorway has a unique feature, cut in relief, a unique culvinary carving visible to this day, testament to the dexterity of our ancestors in those bygone days. The windows of the Round Tower, which were used for lookouts, are situated on the cardinal points, thus a great view of the plain of Nor Kerry and the inland waterways was obtained. Where did the builders of Ratu obtain the materials for the tower? Limestone was obtained from the Kilmore area, which at that time had an abundance of red sandstone. Timber was used in the high scaffolding, was obtained from the dense forest that surrounded the area. All natural resources at hand for the building of a monastic centre. Standing at the base of the famous round tower, I can get a feeling of the past. 
the builders who cut the sandstone blocks, fashioning their thickness before laying course by course to reach the top of the tower. One can imagine the sound of the famous bell ringing out from the lofty belfry, warning the monks of the approaching attack from Viking invaders. The monks, frantically gathering their religious items, entering the tower by its wooden steps, the door closing behind them in an attempt to survive the attack. A spring well was located near the settlement for all to use, apart from being used daily by the monks. In latter times it was used by the lepers, who had a colony nearby. The well was known at that time as the Well of the Lepers. It is thought that the monastery faded out at the end of this period. The ruins of the impressive Augustinian Abbey is still to this day located to the east of the tower and was used by the order from the 13th century. In the year 1200, we read in the annals of the history that the night hospitals of St. John took control. Later, it became a house for the Eurasian canons. This order left the area around 1590. We read in the State Papers of 1276 that during the reign of King Edward of England confirmed Brother Christian as Abbot of Ratu in the year 1366. And the centre was in trouble due to the harbouring of Varisus Nichols and his army while levying war in Kerry. It should be noted that the monks of the centre were lords of parliament, thus the importance of Ratu. The Ratu estate and abbey was destroyed by the Irish on the approach of the English army in the 1600s, fearing its capture. In the 1700s, the lands of Ratu were held by Anthony Stoughton and his family. Hags of the Castles, or Sheila Nagig. Ratu Round Tower has a number of unique features. One is a Sheila Nagig, or Sheila Nagig, located in the upper south-facing window, now defaced due to weather and time. These pagan deity symbols, cut on relief on stone, were attributed to the belief of fertility or placed within the settlement was for the guarding off of evil attackers. Other sources have stated that these Sheilas presented good fortune and protective powers so they could disarm any would-be attacker on seeing it, thus protecting the religious site. Considered by some as hidden relics, Sheila and the gigs exhibit female features, that is, anatomical, suggesting association with childbirth. These ancient heathen relics were honoured here in Ireland before the coming of Christianity and were used and adopted by the Christian settlements into their buildings, such as Ratu, and had been unearthed from time to time from the bogs of Lixna. Due to the lack of research on the Sheila in a gig, further research into its history is needed a more comprehensive collating of data completed. A causeway, which was elevated from the landscape, ran from the tower to the river, where it became known as Boher Garan Bon, White Horse Ridge or Monk's Road. This road, or trackway, led to the Bogs of Dyshirt, which was a hermitage in Lixna, several miles distant. We now leave Ratu and return to the main road and pay a visit to another special place called Derico or Dura Makua on the grassy banks of the Cashin River 
just on the outskirts of Ballyduff, only a few miles west from the tower. During the 8th and 9th century, the countryside was ravaged by the wrath of the Norse invaders. No one would escape, or this tranquil quiet spot could be spared by the sword of the Viking marauders. Derricho Church was constructed in a place for worship, meditation and learning, in a special area free from the eyes of the heathen warriors. However, around the year 812, the river darkened with the sails of the Viking longships. The monastic settlement of Inish Labyrinth, which was located at the mouth of the river, put up little resistance, with all the monks put to the sword. The remainder took flight to the nearby sanctuary of Derricho, which at that time was surrounded by an oak wood and out of sight of the river. Derricho, or Durramokoa, was mentioned in the failure of festologians of Angus Cayley Day as the 6th of October. Angus the Caldean was a reverend hermit, scholar and founder of the Caldean movement in the 8th century. He has been associated with Limerick and Derricho. March the 11th marks his death. The Caldean established a hermit-style worship of God in quite secluded places like Derricho in early Christian society. The translation of Derricho, or Durra Makua, has been described by O'Donovan as the oak wood, or the wood of the battle, which is connected with a battle that took place on the river at Inish Labyrinth. Illuminated scripts were possibly written at Derricho, and above all, meditation to the divine, with daily prayers led by the leader of the hermitage. Tombs that are there in contemporary times are that of the stacks of Kerry landowners from the North Kerry locality. Approaching the ivy-clad ruins, one can feel the sense of stillness and meditation, a place of sanctuary in those bygone days when the monks of Derricho were living there on the banks of the Cashin River, fishing, meditating and praying to the divine. Today, all that remains is a ruin of its former glory, one south wall is now gone, its east-facing window is still there, welcoming the dawn of a new day. No more the chants of the monks echo in Derricho's ivy-clad walls, but one can just imagine the settlement at prayer. Today, its ivy-clad ruins is surrounded by a graveyard, only in use by local families who have loved ones buried there. We leave Derricho monastic settlement now, and journey on to Lixna, a short distance, to another special place called Dyshirt Ytrilig. In Lixna village, take the turning to the left at the crossroad and continue for a mile. Then take another left, will take you past the limestone hill where once stood the Lixna monument to the lords of Kerry, which once stood in that location. We will visit this place in another episode. Continue along the winding road until you see a signpost. This directional marker will take us down a narrow road to the church and graveyard of Dyshirt, the former hermitage. Arriving at Dyshirt Tree League, one can feel the isolation of this beautiful place. Trees line the present roadway to the ruin. A sense of calm and quiet prevails with only the sound of the river which runs just outside the bank facing Ennismore. 
Dyshirt takes its illustrious name from St. Trelock, an Irish saint who was well respected here in those early days of Christianity. The collar or fetter of St. Trelock. Tradition relates that as a young boy, Trelock had two brothers. One day, the brothers made a collar or fetter as a joke and tied and locked the fetter on young Trelock and threw the key into a local river. Trelock later departed his family home and chose a life as a hermit, travelling Ireland and praying to God. Finally, his journey led him here to the banks of the river in Lixna, where he constructed his small dyshirt or hermitage. Many years later, his brothers came looking for him and found Trelock at Dyshirt in Lixna, praying to the divine. His brothers were very happy to see him and he welcomed them to the Dyshirt and his home. Trelock had forgiven his brothers for the collar and feather they had placed on him many years ago. In celebration of their visit, Trelock asked a local fisherman to cast his net out on the river to catch a few salmon. Later that day, the fisherman returned with his nets with four salmon. Returning to the dye shirt, the fisherman offered the four salmon to Trelock. No, said the hermit, I will only take one. The fisherman left, and Trelock began cooking the salmon on an open spit, where the old ruins of the church is located today. When the salmon was cooked, Trelock and his brother sat down to eat. No sooner Trelock had inserted a large knife into the fish, a key fell out. It was the same one his brothers had thrown into the river many years previously. Mass was celebrated with his brothers. The key unlocked the saint from his fetter, thus his trial was over. On the bank of the river, I'm looking at a calm, winding river. There are a few boats here. It is very peaceful. One can just imagine the fisherman hauling in his net with the salmon in it and the fire lit by Trelock on the banks of the river. Looking westward towards Ratu and the bogs, we can imagine the sight of the monks in meditation, walking along Bohrgaran Bon towards a hermitage for retreat and prayer. Today, all that remains of the Dyshirt is part of a wall of the old church, adorned with ivy, surrounded by a graveyard. This graveyard is used by locals. Noted tombs here are that of the local landlord George Hewson of Innesmore and others. Leaving Dyshirt and its special hermitage, one can respect the past and wonder on the lives of these people who are here on the bank of the river in peaceful meditation. Boher Garan Bon, White Horse Ridge or Monk's Road. West of the Dyshirt, an elevated roadway was located close to the Hermitage, which ran from the Round Tower, crossing the Bogs of Balnear. This structure was called White Horse Ridge, or Monk's Road. It was also known as Bohorn the Loire, or the Leper's Road. Only short sections remain of this priceless relic, buried beneath the bogs. During peat extraction, Large oak timbers with pegs have been unearthed. The road gets its name from the white mud in the area. This elevated trackway ran from Dysher to Ratu Round Tower Monastic Centre 
in a westwardly direction. The monks used the hermitage as a retreat and the association with lepers was at Ratu there was a clear spring well called the leper's well, which helped in the curing of leprosy. The importance of the settlements at Ratu, Derico and Dysher's must never be forgotten, as in their heyday they played a major part in the Christian past of Ireland. The workers that built the great tower with their bare hands and the abbey no long forgotten, but their work remains testament to the believers of the Christian faith. The well of the lepers, now hidden within the landscape of Ratu, in its past it sustained the settlement, the sick and the thirsty. The ivy-clad abbey is silent now, where once the sounds of chanting monks echoed, a part of our past, a part of our heritage. The nights are dust, and our souls are rust. Their souls are with the saints we trust. Our home, our place.